Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we're just trying to make the world 10% nicer by every means necessary and with your help. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today I'm joined by a super nice Brooklyn indie pop dance musician, artist, performer, human being, Ariana and the Rose, to whom Billboard, Time Magazine, Vice, and a bunch of others have all given huge props for her music, for her dance floor hits. Um, if you like Peaches, or Roshi Murphy, or Tovalo, or Madonna, or just feeling real good while you dance your ass off, you will like Ariana and the Rose. Because, you know, dancing your ass off with friends, with strangers, it's just a super nice, super beautiful thing. Um, we'll learn her story. We'll talk about how she's taken full advantage of the pandemic to get to know herself and her audience better. Uh, she crushes it on TikTok. We'll dive deep into things like authenticity, what that means, if anything. Uh, we also get into this idea of toxic wellness, as perverse as that might sound, but it's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, so is being emotionally slutty on a first date. These are some of the things we talk about. Yep. Um, oh, we sneak peek a snippet of her forthcoming song, her next single. Not out yet. Uh, you'll be the first to hear so much as a tease. One small thing changed between talking with Ariana and recording this intro. She mentions a New York date on March 4th. Turns out March 4th, as you probably know, isn't nearly as cool as March 3rd. So she changed the date to March 3rd at the New York Soho House. Also March 12th in LA at the Peppermint Club. If you... Want to win tickets to see Ariana and the Rose on either of these dates? Uh, first person to message me the magic phrase wins a pair of tickets. What's the magic phrase? Uh, you're going to have to walk through the whole store to get to the butter. Maybe that sounds a little obtuse for some of you. Apologies. Sorry. Not sorry. Okay. Super nice club news time. Uh, new merchandise has landed. Our koozies are back. They're sparkly. They're cool. Like three different colors of sparkle glitter on a koozie. Cozy, however you want to say it. A brand new t-shirt design has landed uh, with our, our buyer design guru in Brazil. Uh, and remember, if our gear, if our stuff doesn't start a super nice conversation with a stranger, you get your money back. And talking with strangers is a really, really, really good thing. It's something we should all do a lot more of. I know it isn't easy and it can be awkward and we grow up, don't talk to strangers. That's nonsense. It's a lot easier when you're wearing a super nice club shirt. But do Let's see, uh, what else? Oh, our book club is rolling along. If you want to join, hit up the site, find, start, chapter near you. Uh, I'm in charge of the LA chapter. And heck, you can join from anywhere. You can join the LA chapter. Just go to the site, click on it. Uh, we'll be starting with the book Some by David Eagleman, which is just a fantastic collection of short stories about imagined afterlives. I mean, short, like one to three pages. I'm kind of cheating because I've read this book already, but it's insanely good. And the author is the one who introduced me to the religion that I personally identify the most with. True story. Look it up. It's called Possibilianism. It's a mouthful. Possibilianism. All right. Let's do this. Turn off everything else. Tune out the rest of the world and drop in to nice work with Ariana and the Rose. Ariana, Ariana and the Rose, welcome to Nice Work Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Really great to have you on. I'd like to know where people are. So where are you right now? I am currently in Brooklyn, New York. 
I love Brooklyn. I've had a number of Brooklynites on the podcast so far. I haven't been out in a long time because of that whole, you know, COVID thing. But the goal is like once a year. I think it's really good for Californians to get out to Brooklyn and, and New York once a year because it's just it's more European. It's got a whole different scene. It's super refreshing. I just, I, I love it. I just got to PS1 and geek out and like yeah. get totally restored in a way. Reminds you uh, of all the space that you have that you wouldn't be having if you lived here. So really probably totally. wonderful, yeah. nice to visit. And then like really nice to go home and be like, oh, right. Of course I live here now. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm like born and raised in New York. I think about yeah. this often, actually. I'm like, what would my life be like if I had grown up just anywhere else? Like what would I, what would my perception of the world be if I didn't grow up? Like, I remember coming to LA for the first time and I was like, this isn't a city. This is the suburbs. What is everyone talking about? The whole city is the suburbs because I, in my brain, you know, as like a kid, a city was skyscrapers. Right. But you finally understood what a horizon is. (laughs) I mean, I knew, I knew what a, right. I was like, I hadn't seen sunlight in 10 years. No, I am. It was, it was definitely when I started like, you know, when I was a teenager and I started like travel, or I guess later in my teens when I started like traveling around, um, yeah, I was like, oh, there's so many definitions of cities. It's not like everything on a rock stacked on top of itself. So, right. you know. Well, so it's it's good to have the cultural exchange. It's a big luxury to be able to move from coast to coast. But there's all the jet fuel, the guilt coming with with uh, the, the personal travel energy expense. Ah, anyway. No, okay. It's, 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 all, it's, I, it's listen, pros and cons. We do what we can. Exactly. So I've never said this to a podcast guest before, but I flipping love you. Seriously. I like Watching your stuff, your music, your videos, your TikTok, just so self-confident. You're so well-spoken. You understand things like grammar, which is super refreshing, right? And you don't give a fuck, which contrasts to me so brightly against this sort of like sea of, of insecure pop stars. So thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate you doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. What a nice compliment. I really appreciate you saying that and noticing. And um, I do care about grammar. So I actually really do appreciate you saying that. What was it that you said? Uh, I don't know. You used an adverb when most people don't. I don't remember. It was like, yeah, quickly instead of quick or something. I don't know. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. I feel like if you're going to talk on the internet as like a thing that you do, you should be, you should be like pretty good at general, I think, grammar. I know most people aren't, but or not most people, but some people aren't. But I try my best to represent myself, I guess. You represent the East Coast is what it is. Seriously, yeah. what I've noticed being a Californian is that people from the East Coast, maybe it's all the Ivy League schools, they typically have a much better grasp on English, way better than I do. Californians were super casual, like blah, blah, blah. We don't know the difference between good and well, and we don't care. We just kind of throw it out there. And then when when folks come in from the East Coast, oftentimes, I'm just kind of like, oh, wow, you guys talk so good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's yes and no. There's uh, there's definitely... uh, I think a sliding scale. I did not go to an Ivy League school. Um, I was a journalism major in college, so that might have something okay. to do with it. Um, and I like words. I mean, I'm a songwriter, so I guess I am a I am I am particularly passionate about words and the written language and the, I like and the spoke spoken word. Like I, that's my job. That's my vibe. So it right. makes sense that it would sort of like 
um, bleed itself into me making like TikToks or social media stuff because my whole life has been words, you know, writing songs mm-hmm. is like, you sit there and you're like, I mean, the things that songwriters talk about are ridiculous. The vowel, we're using this vowel sound on that note. Does that sound right? I mean, we sound insane when you're like really letting yourself be like your full nerd. It's really, right. it's, it's really embarrassing, actually, I think out of context. Well, the uh, the attention to detail is appreciated. Yeah. We were talking about your TikTok video, and I'm just I've never done this before. I'm gonna um I'm gonna play, play and we'll get into your music and performance and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just cool. starting where 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 you got my attention. And by the way, thanks Josh Josh Page at Shorefire. Shout out to Josh Page for making this thing happen and being oh, super gosh. pretty passionate about you and what you're doing. So well done. Way way to have Josh on your team. He's um, so let's see here. I'm going to go to TikTok and okay. I'm going to play your most recent. What do they call them on? Uh, what well, grandpa here? What do they call them on TikTok? Do they call them posts or is it videos or is I it ticks? What is it? I just call them videos. I mean, some people call them TikToks. I don't know. I the struggle word. with that. Whatever you want to call it is what it is. I'm going to play this one for everybody, so you, so y'all just kind of get a feel for who you're listening to here and uh just have you react to it i want to know like where this was coming from sure if you woke up today and looked in the mirror and were like i look disgusting i hate my body let me remind you that this temple of a body of yours has literally gotten you through a global pandemic a heartbreak or two family trauma probably about a thousand pounds of alcohol and some weird sexual experiences, and you are still walking, thriving, living, and breathing. So you know what? Why don't we just be a little kinder to ourselves, you actual miracle of a human being? Woo! That's awesome. That's awesome. What 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 turned you on to that? Um, I, th- that's been such a huge topic that people talk about. I mean, I I get my ideas for videos. I mean, generally from my own life experience. So I was feeling like shit. And then I was like, well, if I feel this way, I'm sure someone else is hopefully going to feel that way too. And it's like a re- mostly, mostly they come from like my own sort of reminders to myself. And I, I really do talk like that, like that I would be saying that at dinner to someone, you know, I would call someone a miracle of a human being, like if I was talking to someone. So it's, it's th- this sort of like structure of talking over piano chords and has just just like sort of unlocked a, a, a way for me to speak kind of exactly how I talk, which definitely has like an East Coast, New York. I, it, it, listening to the audio of it, I'm like, oh, I sound like like when you're not looking at it, I sound kind of aggressive. Like I sound like I'm like, you better, you better be okay with yourself. And this very sort of not uh, in a very New York way, I guess. Um but it comes from my own my own feelings about myself. I mean, that's kind of what I try and stick to, and then hope that that resonates. If you're trying to, if you're trying to do anything, I think to please someone, you're inherently going to lose the the core of kind of why you're talking about something. I would agree with that absolutely. And what resonates for me so much is just how hard all of us are on ourselves about our bodies. I even the even our friends that have like the, the ripping bodies, men and women, totally. their body dysmorphia. Like, what are you talking about? Like I would kill to be and like, no, I still gotta just... I feel like we've made progress, sort of. A lot of steps backwards too. But we've made a lot of progress culturally, socially, but when it comes to how we look at our bodies and our insecurities around our bodies, I don't know where that progress is. 
it's just it seems like we're getting more and more manic with it's, you know the exercise and the just everything it's crazy yeah i mean and i think it's really easy to forget that we're in a pandemic i mean that was kind of my biggest thing and and i i mean i think everyone's had this i've i've been like in within however long the pandemic started i like got in shape and then was like out of shape and then sort of kind of got back in shape again like that's how long we've kind of been dealing with all this and i guess you know i i try for my own edification to be like okay i gotta think about it differently right i have to think about it differently than like a number on a scale or like if i you know feel like i'm looking you know you have like I don't know if you do, but I have like skinny day days. I feel skinny days. I feel fat days. I feel, you know, like any of mm-hmm. that. And so I, that really came, that particular one just came from a place of like, maybe we need to like start measuring our, our, the use of our bodies in different ways. Like you're, you hold so much more than just the food you eat. Uh, you hold all of the things that have happened to you and, and the experiences you're having. And we've all gone through this like insane collective trauma together and there's like, for my one TikTok about that, there's like 9 million TikToks about people being like, drink your matcha and work out. And it, it was sort of in response right. to this like, yeah. this like wellness movement that it can be, I think, sort of hard to deal with and toxic in its own way. It can be really overwhelming. Uh, we were standing in line at a Whole Foods yesterday, not to endorse Whole Foods. I'm sorry. Um, no, my, my issues with Whole Foods, but uh, <laughs> mostly with the, the big boss of Whole Foods. Um and I noticed the proteins, the protein powders, the grass powders, the, the collagens. Like it used to just be like a few things. Now it was 12 feet and six shelves of all these different types of powders and protein powders. And it was just, I was like, wow, when did that happen? And then I noticed like, wow, I've been kind of buying into that stuff too. I have that one and I have that one. And this stuff is really expensive. And it's sort of this, this luxury of um it's 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 a real type of excess that is a little bit concerning for sure i mean i think that i think that anything any movement in it has has its sort of like core origins that you'd like to think from a good place and then inherently there's like the commodification of that right like you look at the body positivity movement which is like comes from this great place and you there i know a lot of women who identify self-identify as fat and they're really against the body positivity movement. They think that it's, they think this idea that you have to like be positive is toxic in its own way. And that brands have now taken it on and that it's becoming socialized. And, you know, so I think that happens everywhere. It's the same thing with protein powders and gym memberships and CrossFit. And I mean, there's like a hundred million things I think that happen like this. Um, And if you're not doing the other one, you feel like I was looking at it going, God, I I don't think I have any ashwagandha in my diet, you know? (laughs) And then I don't even know what that new South American powder is. And would that make my toenails prettier? I mean, speaking of toes, that's something we don't think very often. Like you're talking about in your video. I know folks, we're getting kind of off track here. This is musical guests. We're talking about my toes, but man, our feet, do so much for us. Are, are we really taking care of our feet? Like massaging your feet every day? I've been getting into that. Like giving myself great foot massages every day. I'm like, you know what, guys? You've probably taken millions and millions of steps, and I've never really paid much attention to you. 
Be super nice to your feet, folks. That's all I have to say about it. Be nice to your feet. I'm so glad that that's that. This is literally the perfect place to be talking about this. I mean, in fairness, women have been hip to that like a little bit because women get pedicures and stuff. So there is that has been like a socially sort of. Oh, I mean, like stretching them out though, stretching out each oh, toe, no. and like oh, like course. really getting in there and and that's and that. saying, "Man, you work real hard." No, and without so. a big toe, like you can't stand. Like no. you're literal, the balance, like it literally, like your big toe is like your, how you balance your whole body. Yeah. I mean, I mean, effectively, that's kind of what I was talking about is like, maybe we can, maybe we can thank our bodies for getting us through, right? That, that you can, you yeah. can, both things can be true. There can be things about yourself that you want to change, but there can also be things about yourself that your physical body that you have gratitude for Um, is kind of where I was coming from with it. No, I love it. I got way off track there. Apologies, but no, uh, no, 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 no. I that's we, I love we made it. a point. Be nice to our feet. Yeah. So I have to ask this: Does every single not that I I mean I, I think I read a couple of reviews, but does every single review of you as an artist include the word authentic? When I was looking at it, well, just because that's that's what I was thinking when I was watching your your TikTok videos, right? And I was thinking, what does that word mean? And when did authentic become kind of like a rare? emblem i mean doesn't that just sort of seem to acknowledge that almost everything else the vast majority of what we consume is inauthentic you know i kind of went down this rabbit hole mentally thinking about how maybe we we've always celebrated and elevated things that are divorced from the mundane right yeah and that sort of this this um cultivated inauthenticity is an authentic way to craft a a persona for sure i'm you know, so I'm just wondering about you and this idea of being authentic to yourself as it's in the TikTok that we just played. That's it's part of that as well. The spirit of that. For sure. I mean, it's a I mean, it's a really good question. It's a, it's I think it's like a general topic, especially in the world of how fast social media works and right. how people are discovering artists, how artists are getting, you know, labels are signing artists or, you know, all that, you know, that that what you're talking about, I think, is a like a very um, debated topic. I, it's really hard for artists because it's it's actually one of my least favorite things when like, if you're, if so many people say to artists or people want to be on social media, they're like, you're just be authentic. What? Like, what is, yeah. do you know how long, how much therapy and like things I've had to do to with myself to like get to a place to be able to make a 15 second video that I feel like I can show up for and like be myself. I mean, it sounds sort of silly, but like I, I couldn't tell you exactly, you know, if someone were like, well, what is it that makes you authentic? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm sure some days I'm fake as shit. Like, I don't know. You know, there, that's, yeah. I'm alive. I'm a person. So it's hard because I, I, I like to think authenticity really has like some really like a part of those ingredients is, is honesty. Like you're being kind of honest about who you are. I think it has a little bit of like presence, someone who's like um, there, you know, who shows up kind of present. I think uh, being sort of like detached and apathetic is, is it's hard not to be that way, especially when you have Mm -hmm. so much information coming at you. It's hard to be just like alive right now. So in my experience of it, when I feel sort of my, myself, those would be like the identifying like additional pieces, I would say, but I don't have a, I don't have an answer. I I think that that's like a really hard thing to pinpoint, which is why it is what you're talking about. This like elusive, you know, this elusive thing. And also, I don't know, 
Was Bob Dylan the most authentic all the time? I don't know. Was he? Was Prince the most authentic? Maybe, I'm sure, right, in in the way that they were geniuses and incredible, but were those crafted, you know, and then mm-hmm. they were able to step inside of that? Like, how do we weigh authenticity? Like, I, I don't I don't know. I feel like we uh, we measure things under, like, such an intense microscope right now that it's hard. Yeah, and we're ready to call people out hard any moment they step away from what we think they're supposed to represent. And we forget that we don't even know what we're supposed to represent moment to moment. If you ask somebody like, how do you feel about some dumb political thing? They probably don't even, they might have a knee jerk, but then if you ask them what they really think, they're probably like, I don't really know. I don't even know what I know. I don't know where to get news. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not true. Um, But here's what I kind of think would be nice Yes, you know? <laughs> yes, here's my ideal. I mean, the amount yeah. of times in the last year that, you know, something has come up where you're just talking to someone about just on any given day, right? Who knows what's happening right. in the world of politics, yeah, yeah. whatever. And the amount of times I've been like, well, listen, I don't, I actually don't know enough details. I feel like I don't mm-hmm. know enough about this to give you like an educated opinion. From what I know, this is what I think. But I also feel like, you know, to get like the real story of something or to get all the facts, you have to really go in and dig for stuff now. Like headlines and stuff are not, uh, are not like the most reliable source. So I, yeah, again, I think it comes back to this idea of like honesty and truth and all that. And, uh, and distilling that down in like a singular person who's like changing all the time and alive, like that's a really hard thing to maintain. Um, but I, I didn't know that that was in all these um, reviews about me, which is kind of nice to hear, I guess. Yeah, I, I just remembered seeing it in a couple of places as I was kind of bopping around. I don't know. When you're searching for guest uh, bio information, you just you find the most random stuff. And sometimes it's YouTube comments. Sometimes it's reviews. Sometimes it's just like you try to br- – I just try to look at all of it and kind of breathe it all in totally. and get a feel for – who that person is, is trying to be. Yes. You know, so then I can ask questions that pertain to that as opposed to, uh, although this kind of goes against what I'm, where we started this whole conversation, but as opposed to what, uh, critics or readers or whatever, uh, think that they are. Right. So like, who is my guest, who is my guest trying to be right now? And those are the questions, right? So, but what I just asked you about was what other people view of you, which is this authenticity, which is also what comes across in TikTok, right? It's just kind of like, and for me, I mean, I really loved, um, <laughs> I don't know why. We all have a different opinion of what authentic is, right? It's so dumb. But I was watching, uh, what's the video? London Boys. Is it called London Boys or is there more to yes. it? I like no, London, no, Boys. London Boys. Yeah, it's called London, London Boys. Boys. Yeah. So I'm watching that video. I'm like, this is a fucking crack up. Right. And it's, I'm so glad it's, you feel Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this is a crack up. She's both taking the piss, but also putting out a banger, right? At the same time. And kind of Lily Allen ish to me, like in terms of the, the attitude of it. I'm like, this is great. This is for real. But I could see other people looking at it and going, oh, this is, you know, super dorky. And I don't, you know, it's not, that's not their version of what authentic is. To me, I'm like, that's as, as authentic as it gets. But maybe that's just my preference, right? It's my preference. So when you look back on your old work, like, because you've been at this for a while. I have, yes. So when you look back at some of your first music videos, does that version of you still feel on point? What a good question. Well, 
I'm so glad you feel you got that from the London Boys video, just to say, because that was. Did I get it wrong? No, oh, you okay. got it 100 okay. percent right, and it wasn't really like meant to be a single, but we put it out, and I just wanted something that was really fun. So I'm, so, and we were like, yeah. let's just do like all of the like ridiculous British sort of tropes we can. So I'm so glad yeah. that that's what came across. Um, yeah, I have been at this for a while, which I think is um, also an important thing. Like for anyone who listens who's an artist, you know, it's taken me a really long time you know, going back to that authenticity thing, it's taken me a really long time to figure out who I am, A, as a person, you know, in, in the sense of what I want to do with my artistry and, and how I'm able to, like, put myself into my artistry. It took me a while, I think, to really, A, figure that out, and then also be successful at portraying it in a way that it comes across, you know, because you you want people to receive, like what you were saying, the uh, the kind of skill of... of putting something out in a way that like people receive it how you want them to is, is, uh, definitely I, as a skill, I call it that because I think it takes time to figure that out. Um, I look back on old stuff and sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I think we got that right. And then sometimes I look back at it and I'm like, we did not get that right at all. That's terrible. But, um, you know, you, I try at this point to kind of, uh, you know, it's a, to let it go. It's, it's a part of, you know, being an artist and figuring it out. I, um, I think for the most part, I look back at it and I'm like, that's a really great representation of who I was and what, where I was at. And if I look back at like all my music videos specifically, um, I think you can see, like, if you were to look at some of my like very first music videos I put out and then look at like the most recent thing I put out, to me, what you see is like the beginnings of what ultimately I feel like I have ended up getting right later on. You see the inklings of it, and then you kind of can see it fully formed if you watch it all back to back. <laughs> if anybody wants to go take the time. What what years are we talking about for these first? Um, what are we in? 2021? I put my first... Well, I put out an EP actually in 2013. That was the first time I put it. That was the first time oh, I put I see. Okay. it out. And we're in 2022 now. More like, oh, you're no. right. We're 2022. Yeah. Also, almost <laughs> 10 years ago, I didn't really. I th- I put out an EP. I think I've taken it down. Like I think it's you can't find it really on the internet. Okay. But uh, I really, I really kind of say 2015 was when I really started to like put work out as Ariana on the Rose and and like really doing my artist project. I was writing for other artists before that. I was living okay. in London, working, writing for other people. So. I had sort of started my project and then kind of stopped and took a couple of years to figure out sonically what I wanted to do. You know, I, I, I went back in and kind of like took the time to figure that out. In 2015, I put out, I started to put out music. I put out a song called give up the ghost. And then in 20 and a string of singles. And then 2017, I put out an EP called retrograde. And that's kind of been, I would say from that place forward is, is kind of what I think of as my, contemporary style let's let's jump into just playing a song so that folks can go oh what's she all about is this like a you know country singers is like she said bob dylan and prince i'm such a big prince fan like yeah what do you want to play you you pick the song you pick the song that we're going to play something to introduce people to something new something old whatever your your call yeah i'll i'd like to play a song that's not out yet it's coming out march 4th uh, off of my, off of an album that's coming out in May, actually. So um, my first album ever I'm putting out. It's called Setting Me Free. I co-wrote it with a yep. really wonderful songwriter named Andy Heimwer. 
He produced and co-wrote my whole album with me. And the song is a synth pop. I live in like the synth world anywhere from, I don't know if you're from like people like Robin or Goldfrap. This totally. song, this song we were very inspired by some like 90s Madonna vibes. All right, let's play it. And... to be one of the first people to hear a great song you are one of the first people who got to hear a great song yeah it totally reminds me of uh, bob dylan and prince <laughs> i hear that no definitely not can you imagine <laughs> bob dylan um this would be if we like i don't know we riff bob dylan did a remix and did a whole bunch of acid or something oh well, it probably was but anyway all right so so take us through take us through the song the why of the song and and where it came up with and your i also want to you know talk about your co-writer in that process yes um so this song specifically uh it's called setting me free it's about uh the process of letting things go and forgiving someone for your own benefit, not for their benefit. Uh, the lyric and the chorus says, um, I give it all back to you, every word that you threw at me that I thought was true. And I finally found release because forgiving you is really about setting me free. So it's- it's end of that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a healing sort of anthem set to some, you know, set to a floor on the floor in some sense, but uh, as you do. Um, but I wrote it actually, I wrote, I play piano as you, if you see me on the internet, um, no. Um, and I wrote this whole album actually in COVID. I was in my apartment as we all were stuck at the beginning of 2020, um, and had broken up with somebody sort of like, uh, not like right before the pandemic, but close enough that I, I could sit in my piano for the next year and, and work it all out. Uh, and so a lot of these songs started on, on a piano. And then when kind of things opened up a little bit enough, uh, I called my musical director, Andy, cause he lives in New York. He was, he was, um, quarantined also. And I had been doing co-writing sessions on zoom, like for other people. And I was honestly exhausted by it. It was like, it was so hard to like be staring at a computer. You would be like staring at a computer, watching someone else on their computer. It was like, Mm -hmm. it was really soul sucking and sad. So I was like, okay, have you been quarantined? I've been quarantined. Like I'd really love to just like get in a studio with someone. And, um, we did. And then, you know, six months later we sort of woke up and then we had made a record. So this is what I'm starting to put out. And these songs 
it's cool because these songs were written sort of a lot of them were started with me alone with this having an idea and then he and then i'd bring them to him and he would help we would either change things and pull them apart take the best parts whatever and some of them like this song for instance was like basically done in the sense of i had written all the lyrics and the melodies and a lot of the chord progressions and he really just took it and like helped turn it into this like he took the bones of it and just filled it all in with like the muscle and the Mm -hmm. skin and everything. So uh, it was cool to be able to make a record, just the two of us. I think it's pretty rare these days to make a pop record that's sort of steeped in dance music house and stuff that uh, you really only have two people writing it. So I'm very proud of that. And by the time you're done with the process, it sounds like you, the way you described it, you each knew exactly where the handoff has occurred. Like, this is your strength. This is my strength. Boom, boom, done. A hundred percent. And that, and that was, I had an idea that he, he, he is a, he does musical direction for artists like, um, the Knox and he's worked with Jai Wolf and Aluna George and, um, Mm -hmm. sort of a lot of people in the electronic space. He's British. And, um, we've been friends and worked together for years. So, so it was interesting, but we had never gone in the studio together. We had only ever worked on the, on live, but I knew obviously how talented he is. Yeah. And he had never produced something quite like this for another artist. And I was like, I think you're going to produce the album. And he was like, I don't think I'm, I was like, I don't worry about it. Just try, just don't, just don't even, I was like, I'm just going to trick him. I'm going to trick him into doing it, which is exactly what I did. Um, but you have a name for the album. I do. It's called the Lonely Hearts Club. Oh, dang. Not, Sounds not, so uplifting. It is. <laughs> it is, though. It actually is. Um, it's called the Lonely Hearts Club. And the reason I called it that is because I love this idea of it being like a physical place. You could go. Mm-hmm. You could literally go to a club called the Lonely Hearts Club. And I, I, um, I just love the concept of that, that it's like a physical place for people who are lonely to be able to go. Um, and you also could, you know, join it. Like, you know, you're in the AV club, you're in the lonely yeah. Heart club. I like the double meaning of all of it. Yeah. The super nice club. Yeah. We can have a, we can have a sub chapter. Is there a lonely hearts club out there? Somebody must've named the club, the lonely hearts. Club. I'm sure they have. And, yeah. and I'm sure someone will be like, Oh, well, the Beatles. I'm like, okay, it's not Sergeant no. Peppers. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's heartbreak music that, um, you can like sweat it out and cry to and laugh to. I sort of describe it as like uh, dance music catharsis. Who are some of your 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 dance floor hall of famers? Um, I'm a big fan of Robbins. I love her music. If you're familiar with Call Your Girlfriend or um, Dancing on My Own is obviously a, was a very big sort of song in the clubs. I mean. I am I am a consummate Madonna fan. I think nobody did it better than her in in club music. Uh, Janet Jackson, you know, I'm still a big fan. I'm still a big fan of Janet Jackson. I mean, honestly, I mean, decade after decade of hits, Rhythm Nation is like insane. Um, uh, There was a British artist called Goldfrapp who is truly amazing. And she did a lot of really cool stuff because they used um, they use sort of like blues bass lines. Uh, in her stuff she has a song called strict machine um that kind of has this like groove it's a it's like a live bass and then they built around it um which i just love when artists take kind of live elements from other genres and then you know build build music around that so 
yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, so many people, the Pet Shop Boys and Depeche Mode. Right. And I mean, there's just like the greats. So I'm just curious, do you have more fans in Europe? Because Europe's just been so much more on that tip for a long time. Yeah, I definitely, um, the UK has been a home for me for sure. Okay. Uh, literally, yeah. I live there. And also, you know, I don't know if I would have been making this music quite like this had I not sort of really started my project there. Um, and it's I got steeped in it. Yeah. And just like the, the, the house scene and like, I'm not a grime artist or anything, but just being around that in clubs and also like from a writing perspective, just being around kind of people making that music and Music in general, I think, in Europe and the UK, the definition of like what is pop music and what is dance music is just so much broader and right. was so much broader earlier. Like you even think about an artist like I'm trying to think of someone who is like very mainstream now, like Ellie Golding, who's like okay. think of her and she's so mainstream, right? That is like right. mainstream pop music in the United States. But when she first started, it that was not mainstream pop music. That was mm-hmm which is crazy to think now, but at the time it was sort of this like left of center pop music or someone, an artist like a Tovlo where you look at these girls and you're just like, Oh, this is pop music. No one would think they don't seem alternative whatsoever. Um, But at the time that music wasn't being made in the U S that was, you know, it was Rihanna. It was Katy Perry. Like it was that. And so anything that had any sense of more like dance uh, since things that felt, you know, house music structures, anything like that was not, it was, it got shoved into like an electronic category. So the UK was sort of always doing that. You know, they, so what I'm hearing is now's your time. I'd like to think that now's my time. Yeah. Let's do it. You're on the super nice club podcast. I mean, it is my time. You've, you've made it. You've landed. I'm honored. Yeah. You, you, you've landed. Um, you were talking about authenticity earlier and last night as I was thinking about that and thinking about talking with you I was also checking out your videos and I don't remember the song but you have a lot of really cool over-the-top drag performers oh yeah the video what's the song the song everybody yes everybody yeah you have drag performers you also have elderly guy you just you have everybody you have people from all over right that's my um, fun fact that guy that elder is your dad is my dad awesome there we go i was like that's dad great. i need to i said this to him i was like dad listen we need to represent everybody and i need you to represent like senior citizens <laughs> and he was like are you kidding me and i was like no listen like i i need you to be in the video he's like you oh, need great. to be in the video to represent old people and i was like i Yes, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, sure. Sure. He he killed it. He looks great. How how did he like it? He loved oh my god, he loved it. He soaked up every minute of it. He had someone get him a coffee. He was like got a like was getting makeup touch ups. Like he was getting I'm on set. Yeah. He was a star. He was a star. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I was watching that video and I was thinking about okay, well clearly she's uh, a big supporter the LGBTQ yes. uh, plus community, and also clearly they love you. So there's a, there's a little bit of a love fest there, which is great, yeah. right? Then it got me thinking about the authenticity thing again. I was just kind of like, it's gnawing at me, right? Like, because to me, like, I think it's, I'm telling you that love is the authentic, native, original human expression, 
right? Yeah. Love for 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 all people, uh, skin tones, genders, choices. Uh, which kind of then made me sad that we're still in a place where being authentic by supporting LGBTQ plus, this is something we're all born to do, right? But now it's like almost a selling point. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, this artist is a supporter of this community, which is awesome. We need to be there. We need to always support. But like, damn it, can't we move past where it's just assumed that <laughs> that yeah. artists are supportive yeah. of these these communities? I know we're not there yet. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be very loud and proud about supporting everybody. But it just was just bumming me out. I'm like, we still are here. For sure. I mean, listen, yeah. I, when I, uh, that song, uh, it was the first single that I put out sort of it, it, since COVID had happened. And right. so when everything, when, you know, obviously the pandemic happened and then, and then obviously all of that, all of that protest and everything that was going on with um, Black Lives Matter and, you know, with the George Floyd murder and all of these things that this country, I mean, still is very much right. a um, fragile place as like a white cis female artist. I'm sitting there and I'm like, geez, like, does anybody really need to hear from me right now? Like, do I really need to say something? And you have to take a step back and ask yourself. You do because and it's not to say that just because you're just because I'm not actively a part of a marginalized community doesn't mean that there's not ways to lend your platform and support and find the right things to do. But I, for me, it felt important, you know, as somebody who's making like dancey pop music to, to take a second and be like, all right, girl, does like, does someone, does, do you need to take that space up? And if you are going to take that space up, what do you want to do with it? And so that song sort of grew out of that, me having that conversation with myself. And the lyric of that song is the main lyric of that song is this dance floor is for everybody. Um, and, uh, I have been a part of the club scene in New York for, for many years. I do a show at a, um, at a venue called house of yes in Bushwick, which is an incredible club that their main, um, everything about their mission statement is inclusivity. And they've been an incredible performance space for people. And that's Um, your light and space. And that's right. like okay. space show. Make sure we talk about that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I do an immersive event called Light and Space, which is a hybrid of a concert and a party and a show. And uh, the mission of Light and Space is about inclusivity on the dance floor specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And because of that, I've been able to not only meet, but work with incredible nightlife performers many of whom are drag queens and people in, in the LGBTQ community. I mean, they are the pioneers of, of everything going on in the performance space and nightlife. So yeah. I feel um, I feel grateful to have been accepted into that community. I, as an artist, the first festivals I ever played were gay prides. When nobody would book me, I was getting booked in a gay club and I was getting booked at prides. So that's and that and I had nothing like I had there weren't even like streaming wasn't even a thing really like it was just some person saying hey I like this girl let's let's throw her up there and then a crowd right. of people being like we we don't know her but we like it and so yeah. for me um that became an organic home that became an organic home that just happened that yeah. way so when it came time to then be putting music out again and this is kind of what this song was steeped in 
I was like, well, you know what? Let's let's I want to represent the home and the world that has given me a place as an artist. And so for me, that was about highlighting all of the incredible people um, that I've gotten to work with over the last uh, several years, people like Amanda Lepore, who's like an incredible trans icon and, um, Candy Muse, who had just come off of RuPaul's Drag Race. She was, uh, the runner up. And it's just, I feel I am an LGBTQ supporter as a human being, obviously as an artist, uh, that community gave me a home and when nobody else did. So I feel very, um, I feel it's very important to me to, to now, uh, reciprocate. That's great. That's great. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, I want to get into <laughs> there. I could just, we could just do your TikToks all day. I'm just going to do one more. We can do but, one more, sure. Uh, I want to do one more because it, it's such a super nice one. It's just so New York. We were talking about it earlier, like, because Californians sometimes we'd be like, God, New Yorkers are always barking. They're not. It's just, you know, it's crowded and busy and you got to walk fast there or you get trampled. We're not not, not barking, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Let me, let me see if I can find it. Um, it's the uh, you'll you'll laugh because it's a recent one. Uh, let's see here. Is this the one? I love when somebody says about a woman, "Oh, she's too much. She's too much for me." She's too much of what? Too much of an opinion. She laughs too loudly. Stands too tall. Takes up too much space. What would be just the right amount? And not too much. She'd have to be less. That's what you're saying. You're saying be less if she's too much. You know what I think? I think she should not give a fuck about what you think about her. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> it's so good. Thank you. Uh, the logic train on that is spectacular. And Thank you. bam, is that an old recycled one? Is that a new one? That's Well, those are pinned. Those three are pinned. Yeah, that oh, Those are pinned. Okay. That was, yeah, they are. They have red things on top. Oh, the TikTok. I'm learning it. Okay. Yeah, well, what's funny about that is that I had, as this sort of happens on the internet, I post, you know, I post these videos all the time and then some bigger accounts of mine ended up using that on TikTok. There's the option to like use it as a sound and yeah. you can make your own video to it. Right. And so some bigger accounts, women started to use the audio and then the audio went viral, like without me almost like it was like not the video itself going viral, but the audio has like, the audio has been used and then went viral on other people's accounts and people were getting millions of views with the- And nobody knows whose that voice is, right? Well, people were commenting being like, this is Ariana and the Rose, which was great. Right. Um, but it's really cool to see, to see it resonate. It's cool to see women, you know, s- syncing their camera rolls of them just being like the most, which is amazing that to, to give a voice to that. And uh, I've been called too much more times than I'd like to count. And again, it came from a place of me being like, enough with this. I'm going to just say how I feel about it. And and it resonated, which was very cool. I got to ask you, so you've been called too much. Have you ever just stopped somebody and said, okay, wait, what's the right amount? Have you ever like had a face-to-face with, I would just love to be a fly on the wall for that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I, uh, how are- Because it needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. Yes. Right? What do you people right. anywhere? Um, but it's mostly women that are that are in this situation. But it's not only women. Totally, it's got to be ninety four percent. But so that I can be inclusive, people everywhere, absolutely, everybody, absolutely. Uh, when when you're told that you're too much, yeah, you've got to say, well, what's the right amount? What does that look like? And what does that mean about what you think of me? For sure. I mean, I, to be honest, I can't remember the last time 
I think people have said to me, like, maybe like, you're a lot. Oh, well, you're a lot. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. generally, when I get it, it's always in, it's always talking about dating specifically Mm -hmm. but women hear about that not not that i'm like some (laughs) crazy person to date but that my personality would be like oh well you know you're it's a lot for a guy it's a lot i'm like what the fuck is that i don't understand are they are they not able to be alive in the world and respect like it's like what you're saying what does that mean what is a lot why is it a lot a lot in what way um so i think I made that video just as a response to be, to hearing that, to hearing other people say, I feel like actually a lot of times I hear it. Someone is speaking about a woman who is not there. They're saying, right. she's a lot. She's too much. You know, it's like, you're not even saying it to her face. You're being like, Oh God, she's too much. It's too much. You know, whatever that is. So uh, who knows why someone feels like someone is too much, you know, if their energies is, if it's, it's just their energy or they talk too much or they're loud or they, I mean, generally it's, it's somebody who isn't taking someone's shit in some way, right? They don't care. Right. Seemingly there is some sense that they either are unaware. What someone is implying is that they are unaware maybe of how they seem. And my response would be, well, maybe they are aware and they just don't care about what you think. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I I think it's a universal thing that women hear. And it was very cool to see women not only share it, but then use the sound as like an as something to feel good about themselves, you know, to put Mm -hmm. images of themselves over it was very cool. And I felt like a very pure use of social media. How has that use TikTok brought new fans to your work has it been effective at all a hundred percent yeah i mean it's been unbelievable uh it's changed i mean it's changed my life i I guess in in certain ways i mean we're sitting here chatting about it right it's it's uh i i do i started after these tiktoks these i call them piano chats after my little piano started i had to name them something for myself started to kind of go viral i had one go viral last july that has I, I don't know, many, say 8 million something views. Um, and that was about women. I was saying like, if she's, uh, if she's out there and she's like being her best self and staying hydrated and, you know, doing all the things I said, she's one step away from having a nervous breakdown, which again, I, I get, I guess a lot of my videos are my own responses to things. I feel like that are put on women specifically, but, but people, um, yeah. And it's opened up a lot of doors. I mean, it's it's changed conversations around my music. You know, uh, I started doing shows kind of in this vein, playing piano and chatting. I sell tickets to that now. Um, it's opened up a whole audience for me, which I'm really grateful for. And like I said, and I think it's really important to to like highlight this, that it took me a long time. I didn't, I, you know what I should, I should rephrase. I, I had made this album, COVID had happened. TikTok exploded in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, you know, right. it became such a huge thing. And so many artists, musicians are on TikTok. I mean, it is the main source of marketing for everything, but music especially. And my manager at the time, or my manager, she was like, you need to get on TikTok. And I was like, I, no, I don't want to. It's not for me. I'm old. I don't want to do it. And I'm not old, but in my brain, I, you know, I'm not 18. Right. I was like, I yeah. don't do yeah. this. And, and a friend of mine gave me really good advice. And he said, listen, do things you like doing. Do things on the internet that you enjoy. Because if it goes well, you have to keep doing it. 
So like, don't do anything because it's a trend or it seems cool or whatever. Do it because you like it. And I think that that's what came through is I just took the part of a show where you talk before the song. I mean, you've mm. got a hundred concerts right. where right. the, you know, it's your favorite artist and they're playing whatever instrument they play. They're playing the chord progression of whatever the song is and they're telling you about it. And then they start singing the song. So I just took the talking, I took the teeny part of it and I made it a video because at least, great. at least I felt like if you saw that online and bought a ticket, you were getting the same thing. And for me, mm doing all of this online is ultimately about getting real people in a real room. That's my goal. My goal isn't to be a TikToker. My goal is to be a musician. But beyond that too, right? Your goal is you're a straight a performer. Yeah. You're more than just a singer songwriter. You're also a performer. And I wanted to get into that a little bit about the way, how, how you connect as a performer that differs from just delivering a song, uh, how it dimensionalizes things yeah. in the song. What's that? What's the difference there for you reward wise? I mean, I think I think that the reward, you know, whether I'm sitting anywhere, whether I'm in a club performing, mm -hmm. whether I'm sitting at a piano in a in a piano bar, whether I'm, you know, doing a light and space immersive event, whether I'm in a TikTok, it's all the same. Right. It's about this transference of energy and, and about me holding space for people to sort of say for me to kind of say first this is my experience. This is what I feel. I'll feel it out loud first. And then hopefully that gives you some permission or open something up that allows you to then feel that too. And that's kind of, I think, my whole approach to performing is that I try and face my own fears and do things sort of on a stage or whatever public forum. And, right. and hopefully, uh, hopefully that that inspire someone or make someone feel less alone or whatever it is and they feel like they they have a, a catalyst to kind of feel what they want to feel and you get feedback from individuals who tell you oh my god you're this that or the other resonated with me and it just feels so good doesn't it it does. like ah, validates things I'm right sure you get that with this podcast i'm sure you get people that message you and say hey you know this conversation you had i mean i think anybody Anytime you're validated for what you're doing and it, it, it's meaningful to someone else, whether it's you're a singer, songwriter, performer, I've got the club and the podcast, um, you could be an electrician and someone's like, God, you know, you really came in and kicked ass for me yes. and I see how hard you worked and it means a lot. And then you're like, oh, wow, which is why it's so great to thank people, your barista, like, hey, you know what? This is awesome. You did a good job. Yes. You're not getting paid that much and you put some effort into it. Thank you. It does make a difference to thank people for what they're doing because that's their life. It's their life energy they're putting into that thing. Even if they're just ringing you up at 7-Eleven, right? They're there taking care of you. So be grateful. It's nice to be appreciated, right? I mean, I think yeah. that's the bottom line. It's nice to feel seen. It's nice to be appreciated and whatever way whatever way you choose to kind of move through the world, I think the idea that you should constantly be doing that, right? Not when it's like what exactly what you're saying, right? It doesn't matter where you are, what the interaction is, small, large. I think just this idea of, of seeing people in a world that's so much more behind a screen and literally quarantined uh, feels right. like a very... Um, feels like a very kind and, and uh, nice, you know, important thing to be doing. 
It doesn't have to be much, folks. It can be as little as just making eye contact when you say thanks. Smiling. That's it, right? You don't have to gush over everybody for little small thing. Like you just handed me a cookie. Oh my God, you're the best person ever. But look them in the eye and say thanks for the cookie, right? That's kind of where it goes. Like I'm super thankful for um, storytellers, you know, of all types. That's where I'm like, oh my God, because, you know, whether it's a singer, a writer, a, a sculptor, whatever the art is, because, you know, when it comes to stories told, I think a lot with music and performance, because that's what we're, we're steeped in. Yeah. We're steeped in a lot of music when it comes to stories, right? Movies, TV as well. But sometimes I feel like, uh, I feel like a rant coming on, but I feel like larger culture, uh, take them for granted. They take for granted that every song is a story. Uh, uh, an oral history of a sort, even if it's just a little time capsule, you know, and, and because, you know, stories are how humans have passed the culture baton for thousands of years. Yes. You know, which is similar to uh, the rant is here, it, but different from from uh, the history baton. You know, you know, history is like it's it, it's it's the facts, the figures, the years, the people involved. And then there's art. And I think of art as the soul of history, the stories that humanize the facts and the figures and the years and the people. And, and you know, because like history is often told by the victors, but art gives the whole picture. Yes. And more often than not, it tells the story of the oppressed or of the revolutionary ideas. Yeah. You know, and I'm, get, I'm getting to a point here, I promise. No, no, I'm with you. Yeah, w, you know, but I, a super nice reminder, if you will, folks, that when we talk about defunding the arts... <laughs> Yeah. When we talk about pulling away money from grade schools, dance programs, music programs, uh, we're literally talking about dropping the baton, about stamping out the warnings about and the hopes for the future that can best be told through art, through songs, through music, through writing. So just keep that in mind, folks. It's important. And I think, I mean, I think something about, I think something about art that I love is that it's resilient and that, and that it crops up even when, you know, even when you think it's going to be, you think it's going to be stamped out, right? You think it's going to, you think it's not going to survive. It does. It's enduring because people who are artists, most people who are artists don't want to be that way. You know, it's not like a, right, not like right. the most fun thing in the world to feel like yeah. you have to like express. And I know that that's sort of a cliche thing, but I've seen, you know, I've seen so many different kinds of performers with, with, you know, some with the, the insane amount of resources and some with none and, mm-hmm. and what comes out of that and what breeds, you know, the, what gets talked about and, Obviously, that's why so much art, you know, from marginalized people is so incredible because it's it's this like it, it comes from this need of, of 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 really having to talk about something and change something. And so I agree with you. I think that, you know, funding for the arts, it, we we as a country, the United States is ter- terrible with pu- public funding for the arts. It's really very sad comparative to like other sort of like Western European countries and stuff. But I do, I have gotten a lot of hope actually through the pandemic on what it is for artists to kind of create in the face of, you know, um, so much, so much uh, being thrown at them. Uh, It gives me, yeah, it gives me hope. What was your biggest silver lining from having to slow down during COVID? I don't like to ask too many COVID questions anymore because we're so far into COVID, but you've been mentioning how 
you know, you had to kind of yeah. record an album during COVID. Was there anything in there that you're like, ah, actually, this was kind of cool? Yeah, I mean, couldn't happen without it. I mean, th- I mean, everything on TikTok would have never happened had COVID okay. not happened. Fair point. Um, yeah. I would have never sat down and done that. But really, more than anything, I took like really that first year we were in COVID. I really took some time to like deal with take a step away. I had been on the grind of, 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 you know, being an artist and working and I was really touring a lot actually right before the pandemic, which was great and was feeling very exciting. And, you know, obviously when that was all canceled and taken away, it was scary. And, um, I, I took a second to really face the fear of what it is to be a person when you're like, not feeling like an artist, you know, as a career. Mm. Right. And I, right got a therapist and really was like dealing with all of my shit, you know, family traumas and all of these things that I had certainly been dealing with, but had never really, I I don't know why I felt like acutely aware that I had an opportunity to really maybe face some things and, um, and, and look to like feel whole separately from like whatever outside validation of my career, which is what I had been sort of, I think really been doing for a long time. And I, I think I made different music because of it. I think I talked about different things on the internet because of it. I think it affected really everything about the way I like move through the world. And uh, yeah, I don't think I would have done that had COVID not happened. I really don't. I think I would have, it's so easy, right? I mean, how fast is the world spinning now? I mean, before we were all going so like a mile a minute, not, it was so easy to not deal with things, not because I was even running away, but just because like, you know, life. And, uh, I feel like I really, I was like, you know what, we're going to go right into the belly of the beast. We're going to deal with some of our shit. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I think I, um, I'm able to be a, using that word, I'm able to be a more authentic version of myself now because, because, I kind of really took the time to do that. So I think that's the main thing. A lot of us have, we've had to slow down, slow down, do the gut check and connect with ourselves, which makes us better able to connect with others. And then the frustrating part for me is I can connect now better, but I'm doing it online. I'm like, okay, so are we going to have millions of people that are better able to connect than ever before? And then we get to go do it. Is it going to be awesome? Or is it going to be a week later? We're back to where we were. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we're going to connect more meaningfully and really enjoy and feel like, damn, I took this stuff for granted. Isn't this amazing? And try to remind ourselves of this, I you know, again that. and again. I certainly yeah. so. I'm excited. I mean, I've played live shows. I've done some things. Um, it's, it's cool. It's really cool to have that energy back in a room. There's nothing like people in a room together. I, I think it's uh, magical. It's why I'm a performer. But yeah, I definitely, uh, if you were willing to do the work, right, whatever that was for anybody, yeah. right? If you were right. willing to do it, because Lord knows it sucks. It was not like a fun process at all. Um, I think it's invaluable for anybody. I mean, to really kind of sit with yourself and be like, all right, what what are my things? Let's look at them. Um, no matter what you do, I think it just helps yeah. you be a, a more you know, super nice, kind, present person. You were talking about uh, these rooms, filling room, being back in the rooms. There's a great quote I pulled out from somewhere. Maybe Josh sent it to me. I don't know. But you said, I believe art can unify the world. I wouldn't consider myself a consummate optimist. I'm a New Yorker after all. (laughs) But I do believe in that. A song, a film, a performance can unify a room. 
For a split second, strangers feel like they know one another and the differences that can so often divide us for this one moment disappear. And if you've ever been to a great show, you know exactly what she's talking about. When the the the, the moment, the song that everybody loves comes on and the, and the performer is just crushing it and you look to the strangers next to you and you're all glowing the same way. Yeah. And you're all like, I fucking love you. You don't know who they are, you know? And you don't but care. And you don't care. No, you don't care. But it is connecting with another human yes. in such a Simple, powerful way. Yes. Right? And you are so, and you can do this sober, folks. I promise. I've done it. What a cool thing to be able to do. I, I certainly strive for it. I mean, I'll never forget. I saw Paul McCartney at the Barclays Center years ago. He sang Hey Jude, and he was playing a painted piano that was like his piano that he brought over. And the room, I mean, like... People were singing that ending of Hey Jude, the na, 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 that's it, with like their guts, like grown ass, like old men, you know, women scream, like, like you could tell it, 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 this melody of nothingness, no words, it's just nas, held like in, held like memories of nights with friends, like you could see it, like it, like it. It was attached to something and people were looking at each other, like yelling it. And I just was like, this is, this is the, this is it. This is the dream, right? This is, and it's not necessarily at the Barclays Center. It's in general, right? To be able to do that for your music to not only hold a space in someone's life that it means something like that to them, but that they can then go re-experience it with other people. And then that becomes a collective new memory around it. It's just such a special thing that I think is unique to music. And um, I, I really love that about it. It is. And it's, there's also a unique brand of that when you get into dance floor music, when you're just physically exerting yourself and you maybe, no, I know this isn't for everybody, but like you're just dripping sweat as well. And you're singing at the top of your lungs, your body's involved, your, your spirit's involved, the whole thing. It's, it can be, you know, transformative thing. It is a spectacular way of unifying people if we can now just take the next level and figure out a way to keep that connection going because you're in this room with all these people and guess what a lot of them differ with you greatly on stupid political stuff yes right but not in those moments no not in those moments and i i i'm interested to i'm interested to really be getting i mean we are back in live shows in a way but it's still you know people are canceling and and it's it's hard I'm interested to see kind of what that, how that plays out and what that looks like, you know, at a concert or whatever, or, or is that even going to come up? I mean, how would that come up with an audience member? I don't know, but I know when I do light and space, that, that immersive event that I mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. that room is packed. Like those, every people, well, it was right. But when we right. were packing people into rooms, but you know, shoulder to shoulder, people dancing, people sweating and, and, um, I don't know. I wonder if maybe the dance, I, I think a dance floor will be a place for people to, to drop off some of that stuff and sort of mm-hmm. say, you know what, I'm going to just, I'm going to drop it. And who knows, maybe people who meet in those settings will be more open to whatever someone else has to say. I'd like to think that I'd like to think we wouldn't take this idea of cancel culture. Um, so into like personal interpersonal relationships as much, but I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm looking forward to finding out what it's going to look like. I'm looking. So you're going to speaking of which you are going to be. Here's the segue uh, playing in live in Los Angeles. Yes. Where I'm at in March. March. Okay. March 12th. What is that show? Who are you playing with? Is that part of a tour? What's going on? It is. It's a, just one show. It's a, um, it's a really cool showcase uh, that live nation does called breaking sound. Um, it's at the Peppermint Club and I am playing with two incredible artists, Madison Watkins, who was on American Idol and another incredible artist, Jillian Rossi, who is like so so cool, independent artist doing it all for herself, like over like a hundred million streams. Like she's so cool. Um, so I'm excited to be on this, like all female, um, like pop power lineup, uh, which is very, very, it'll be my first show in LA since COVID. March 12th, Peppermint Club, right? Yes, sir. All right, everybody. So check it out. Here's the deal. Super Nice Club likes to do a... Wait, you have... Well, I'll just extend it because you have another show coming up too, right? I do in New York. Yeah. In New York on... March 4th. March 4th. Okay. March 4th, New York. March 12th in LA. And this podcast listeners, LA is the number one... New York's number two city, so you know. Hey, there we go. And then, and then you, California, North Bay, Bay Area, San Francisco. You're you're right. You're almost there. Number three. Uh, tell more friends, and maybe you can maybe you can climb up above LA. I know how much you hate LA, San Francisco. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to really get to them, share this podcast with lots of folks in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, if you buy a ticket, yes, for Ariana and the Rose, and you go to the show, and you're like. I don't like it. This sucks. This show's not for me. Uh-uh. <laughs> this is lame. Uh, we will give you your money back. Super nice club, Will. So money back guarantee on our, you know, we do this with our podcast guests if we believe in what they're doing. This is the honor system. All right. So don't take advantage of it. We're not rich at all. So we'll limit it to, you know, whatever. We'll figure that out. But uh, yeah, money back guarantee. Go to her show. Check it out. Especially if you think like, and you heard the music and you're like, that's not my jam. I don't really like that kind of music. I, I'm more of like a of a Coldplay person. Then you should go. This is called stretching your limbs, stretching your legs, stretching things out a little bit, trying something new. March 4th, New York, March 12th, LA. Go to the show. There's no risk for you. There's no financial risk, all right? Go to the show, but be open to it, okay? And have a great time. Wear a mask, I guess, probably still. You know, that's the thing. I don't know. If you feel comfortable, go to the show. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad that you're out there playing live. So that's our that's our guarantee, folks. And if they come, um, let me know. Come come up to me afterwards. I'm usually by a merch table or something. Come and tell me. I would love to know. So come and super nice club members, uh, drop by, say hi. Absolutely. So we wrap these podcasts with a couple things. The first one is the the be nice challenge where. The guest, that's you, gets to issue some sort of challenge to the listener, something they can do, uh, something small, something big, to make their world a little nicer. Oh, I have a really- You got a good one? I got a, you got a good one. Okay, let's hear it. Dish. So when you're in life, you're going through your day, you know, every once in a while, you notice something nice about someone. You think someone has pretty eyes or, you know, maybe you like their shirt or whatever, a stranger. Mm-hmm. Tell them. Tell them, give them the compliment. It will, you never know how a small thing like that will make someone's day. I agree. I agree. I try to do that. I encounter the, oh, God, is, am I going to come across like old creepy guy? There, it reminds me of Fair. the New York subways. 
the New York subways, I don't remember the company. It was a big company. They ran an ad a few months ago and it said something like, I think compliment a stranger. And they got a lot of pushback. They got a lot of pushback from uh, mostly women saying, hey, if I do that, I'm inviting creepsters. If I do that, then somebody's going to stalk me, things like that. I think it's fair to feel that that might happen. And it's sad, but use your judgment, but you know, I mean, Jesus, don't compliment someone that you think could potentially get you. Okay. We'll preface. Uh, Listen, and I am a huge supporter of the Me Too movement and all of that. We have to find a way. There is a way to give somebody a compliment that does not feel predatory. There's gotta be, there's gotta be a middle ground so thank you. Know, I've been trying to very, figure it out. I didn't realize yeah. I was issuing a very tall order. Compliment someone that you feel like for sure doesn't seem creepy or weird and mm-hmm. isn't also going to invite someone to be creepy or weird, I guess. I've, I've just, flawed. I'm uh, cruci- I'm crucifying you a little bit on that on purpose because it is such a flawed system. It's such a sad thing that we have such a challenge to be nice to each other. Yeah. So for, For whatever feels comfortable for you, come up with some way to be nice to somebody. Give a compliment in a non-creepy way. That's the issue. Give a compliment in a non-strange person way. God. Yeah. Anyway, way to make it weird, Todd. Way to make it weird. Okay. No, no, no. It's a fair point. It's a fair point because I'm sure people listening would would say that. They'd be like, well, I would. But so I think it's, I think in today's day and age, you got to cover all your bases. You do. Um, and then we end with the, the we get to, you flip it around. You get to ask a question of me. Any question, you're the host for a second. And then I just do my best to muddle my way through the answer. I always ramble though. I try not to. I'm saying it out loud, folks. I will not ramble this time. Okay. Ooh, this is good. Um, okay. Can I ask something that has nothing to do with the super nice though? Yeah. I do this thing on my Instagram sometimes where I ask people to tell me their worst date stories. Worst date stories. Hmm. Okay. I'll accept that one. I'll preface it by saying, I think compared to a lot of folks, I've probably been on fewer dates uh, just because I've had long-term relationships, series of long marriages. Fair. But I did go, I did go on a spree a few years back. I would say I went on and um, I was a whore for a little bit. Um, Amen. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Listen, I went on. No, I went on a little dating spree, and I think the worst one. I don't really have a, a horror story. I guess the, this kind of meta. We can't use that word anymore. I went on a date in LA at a bar, which is just a bad start. I think anyway, just like meet at a bar, but and she was real nice. She was a teacher. The whole conversation was about her worst dates. Oh no. It was just this litany of, and then this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. I didn't start this. I wasn't like, so what are your worst dates? Like I, I'm actually, like I have a little, I have a little bit of game, right? I wouldn't, that's not where I would go. Yeah. Um, but she was just using the date as a therapy session about her bad Tinder dates or whatever um, oh. they were. Yeah. And so I just laughed because she, I wish I could remember her stories. Uh, I just laughed and thought, okay, this is because, you know, you know, you know, within a few minutes, the date's going, it's just not going anywhere. There's no cool person, but you know, um, for whatever reason. So then I was just full on like, 
listening mode. Wow, really? I mean, I was engaged. You were I was like totally faster mode. You were like, yeah. Like, okay. I'm like, well, how did he do that? Why would yeah. he? Wow, really? What? You know, so like for two hours, like we sat at this bar, had a couple drinks, like two hours talking about her bad dates. Yeah. Did she think the date went well? Did she think it was like great? Cause you know, it was never even like an error of it really being a date. That's the funny thing. Like when it wrapped up, we didn't even say like, Oh, see you around sometime. It was kind of like, like cool session doc. You know? <laughs> no, being emotionally, yeah. being emotionally slutty on dates is like a real thing. You know, it's hard. It's the thing. People get, people get really emotionally slutty. They she, do. Uh, I wished her well. She was a nice person. Uh, that was just, I just remember leaving, scratching my head. I was just perplexed. It's like, that was weird. That was a weird day. Listen, uh, I'll have them. It's yeah. my favorite thing to do on the internet because it's, it's really, you really get to learn a lot about, about people. It is a good segue though. I know I said I wasn't going to do another TikTok. We're just going to do two, but you just were bringing up the dating thing. And this is one of your TikTok videos that I, I'm just going to play it. It's great. I'm going to be performing on national TV this week on late night, and I just had a guy stand me up for drinks. So men continue to be shit, and women continue to be amazing. <laughs> no, it really happened in real time. What happened? Who uh, was this fuck? Well, yeah, what a jerk. So basically, basically, we had gone out like in November, had a great time. We were supposed to get together again. Uh, it was like Thanksgiving or whatever. And then, and then he got COVID and then it was the holiday, you know, this has happened. And then we were supposed to get together again, like right after the holidays. And then I got COVID. Like it was like living literally the most pandemic, but we had still kept talking or whatever. So this had been going on for months. Cut to this week. Um, I am very excited. I filmed a, I'm going to be performing on Full Frontal with Samantha B, which I'm very excited about. Awesome. Congrats. So, thank you very much. And so, um, which just made the whole thing like pretty rich because he used being like so busy as an excuse. Um, but basically we were supposed to get together. I can't remember on a Sunday or a Monday. And he didn't cancel on me until like an hour before and then was Ooh. like, can we, can we meet again? I was like, sure. So I go the next day. I like go and like, I'm there. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I got stuck at this thing. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're everyone's phone. It, you couldn't have told me an hour ago. You couldn't. Right. I, and I, t- I responded and I said to him, this is like respectfulness. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said something to the effect of, listen, we're all busy and to have respect enough for someone to even cancel in like an appropriate amount of time feels like below the baseline. <laughs> oh man. And he was so like, what you th- you're totally right. And I was like, don't call me again. Don't ever call me again. Yeah. What do you think the real story was there? Just was he that checked out? Either he either well he obviously got better plans whatever that was both times. But the but the times before that I had you know I had COVID. I mean maybe he lied maybe he didn't. Right. But who fucking knows? But I was yeah. just this concept of he kept being like I'm so sorry I'm stuck at work I'm so sorry I'm busy. Which listen shit happens. I'm not saying that. But this is bullshit. This was happening over and over again. So it got to a point where I was like okay well if I if I like accept this, then I, it's on me. Like I'm in, I'm a jackass. For, True. You know, True. You thought, like yeah. it, we were, 
we were like, the first time was was annoying because he it was like an hour before. It's like, okay, you, you had your phone all day. You couldn't have let me know. Fine. But for me to physically be there and you to cancel is a joke. That's ridiculous. Yeah. How you summed that up was guys suck, women rule or whatever. Um, Basically, yeah. And there's something to that when it comes to dating, guys. Like, I think we can do a lot better. And I'm not bashing men. I'm I'm a guy. I'm proud to be a guy. Just, But guys out there, we can do better. Our dating etiquette isn't as good as women's. It's, it's just I about, think it's just. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's just about communication, right? I think that, uh, yeah. I think that, listen, whether, whether it, it was, you know, he really was just busy and like wanted to reschedule or whatever. There's ways to handle that. Right. Like also like you could pick up the phone. You could call someone if it was really that bad. If you were really sort of doing something that was behaving badly and you had to stand someone up or whatever, you could pick up the phone and be like, I am so sorry. This, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I think that with the use of social media and dating apps and everything being on the internet and through texting, you just don't have to face people anymore. So like, I mean, the, you just, people blow people off. It's fine. I am not like uh, mortally wounded by it, but I certainly am not going to make plans again. That's all. Yeah. I mean, it definitely just feels like dodging a bullet though, because somebody who would do that is probably going to be kind of crappy to date anyway. Totally. Or is it right? whatever, yeah. is it in a place or whatever yeah. it is? So yeah. it was just funny to me because his excuse every time was like, oh my God, it's just, things are so busy. It's so crazy. Everything was about how crazy it was. And like, I think he works at like Google or something and not to be whatever right. everyone's lives are busy, certainly. But I was like, honestly, fuck you. Your week wasn't busier than mine. Yeah. It just wasn't. Yeah. This I agree. Not that. I agree. So dude, oh. dude, if you're listening, you blew it, you know? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> Hey, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Um, I wish you well on all things. And again, folks, March 4th in New York. Yes. March 12th in LA. Yes. Uh, In the show notes, all the links, Spotify, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, it's all down there. Uh, So you can find music, you can find videos, and you can find tickets. Uh, You can also just find funny life advice nuggets on her TikTok. So check it all out. And remember those tickets are refundable if you if you don't like your show. I'm not even worried though. Nobody's going to refund a ticket because your show is going to be awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Just a reminder to be nice. Just be kind to people, to strangers, to people you know. You have no idea what's going on with them. They have no idea what's going on with you. And you don't have to really care But just like mutually and understanding that like life is fucking hard and we're all doing our best and like just choose kindness. So there we have it. A super nice conversation with super nice Ariana and the Rose. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're a fan. Even without listening to the rest of our music, I hope you've already, while you've been driving, you know, gone on Instagram and and liked her page and checked out her website uh, not while you're driving, silly. Um, remember that thing about the tickets at the back of the store, right? Back where the butter is that I mentioned at the beginning. What was that all about? You know, maybe not everybody knows this. I think most of you do, but the butter, the milk, the eggs, all the things you buy all the time, they put them in the back of the supermarket so that you have to go through the store, right? And buy other things. That's why they put the chocolate by the checkout stand. Anyway, the secret phrase to win your tickets is at the back of this podcast episode so that yeah, you either listen to it or you, you skip through it. 
whatever. It's up to you. Anyway, if you want to win tickets to that March 3rd, not March 4th, March 3rd Soho House, New York, or March 12th Peppermint Club in LA, I'll get you a pair of tickets. First person to message me with the phrase, give me some super nice tickets to Ariana. Damn it. Yeah, that's the phrase. Message me uh, on Instagram, Facebook. You can even text me uh, if you know my number. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole of the episode. Welcome to Ariana and the Roses World. Check her out. Links are all in the show notes. And I hope to see you at the show. Stay nice, everyone. Just become 10% more